Pastor Joe. And I'm Kirsten. We've served in church leadership for over two decades. And most of that, we've been on staff together. We're here to talk about our faith, family, and ministry. Welcome to Under the Hood. I am really sore today. Why? Because I just came from physical therapy. Oh, well, I feel like we started our podcast last week like this. I think it well, was. Well, I think. <laughs> they're going to think they're listening to last week's well, podcast. Well, I think it's because we always record this right after my physical therapy. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sorry, say, everyone. He's not usually this much of a whiner. Well, I am a little bit today because they really beat me up. I just Are thought, you hopping yet? No, not even close. I, I'm, I'm just going to be straight up honest with everybody. I'm not healing as fast as I want. I and think every 40-something-year-old man probably says that. I thought I was going to bounce back in a couple of days and I wouldn't have another problem. But no, here we are. I'm a month out of surgery, and I'm still dealing with quite a bit of swelling, swelling in yeah. the joint and in my quad muscle. And it's just slowing me down, and Maybe it hurts. you need to lay off all the running you've been doing. <laughs> <laughs> it was all the running that led to the injury in the first place. I'm all right. All the prepping for your marathon. They, listen, they keep telling me. They keep telling me, persevere. They said it will get better. That swelling will get out of that. That's my problem. It just got swelling in the... Maybe you need it, to put your leg up right now. You know, if I could, I would. But here's here's a, there's a biblical lesson in this. You know, I even I even referenced this on on this weekend during my sermon. James said, "Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the you know testing of your faith develops perseverance." I'm not going to say that this knee thing is a test from God. I'm not going to reduce it to that. But I am learning some perseverance and patience because I am ready for this thing to not hurt anymore. I'm ready for it to not be stiff. That's my biggest problem. I don't know if you've ever had a knee surgery before or any kind, but just the stiffness. I sit for. 20 minutes and then i'm like i feel like an old man i get up and i'm like i can't walk give me a minute i guess depending on the age of our listeners our demographic listeners will be able to relate to this or not <laughs> if they can't there it's a young audience if they can it's an older audience going yeah but i understand what i've had saying. i've had people say well welcome to middle age yeah you know um well i know that it's interfering with your listening skills what, what i wasn't listening what'd you say <laughs> What? <laughs> you little brat. No, like we, we went to a great conference this last week, a um, couple of them, and uh, you were getting a little agitated because your knee okay. was bothering you. So <laughs> let me preface this. I'm a little conferenced out at the moment. So last weekend, last Friday and Saturday, we were down in Little Rock attending the Mid-South Shepherding Conference. Joe spoke at that conference. Yes, I, I got to speak at that one, which was awesome. Testify. I got to testify to the power of the word. And um, no, it was great. I was encouraged by being there. It was. Um, and no, it was not recorded. It is not on video and it's not on YouTube. So I can't send you anything. It's um, uh, the Mid-South Shepherding Conference is a new one for me, but it was really hosted by some of our acapella brothers, the Acapella Church of Christ. And for those of you who don't know, I won't go into the whole history, but the Christian churches and the churches of Christ acapella, we all used to be one group a little over 100 years ago. And there was a division over over the use of instruments and a few other issues. And so, um, you know, a lot of our Church of Christ brothers, uh, acapella are non-instrumental sometimes. Um, their doctrine is very similar to ours. I mean, they have the same beliefs, communion every week, baptism and all that. 
And um, I've got a lot of friends who are part of the Acapella Brothers. It and- was really neat because the I'd never sat through a worship service that was led by an, I mean, I've done acapella worship, you know, where we just start singing acapella, but to have a worship service led by an acapella group, it was really cool. That that was the best acapella worship I have ever been a part and of. And apparently it was the best of the best. Because well, yes. even the acapella churches were like, <laughs> oh yeah, our, ours is like this every week. Yeah. Wink, it, wink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I've been in some acapella services that were not like that. But I was I was telling some of my friends who are you know part of that church and and a part of that uh, uh, it was at the Pleasant Valley Church of Christ, which is a good sized church down at Little Rock. Um, I was like, wow, if 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 worship could be like this every Sunday, I would love this. Mm-hmm. And they were like, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Don't but worry. They brought in some. I'm telling these were these people were amazing. Um, but anyway, that was a great conference and really enjoyed um, rubbing some shoulders with some guys that I don't normally get to rub shoulders with and and get to learn um get to learn I, I remember we were in a little breakout group a little breakout prayer group in between sessions and the people sitting right in front of us they turned around and joined our group and we're down in little rock and we found out that that um the the guy and his wife that turned around to pray with us he's a he's an elder at a at a church of christ here in northwest arkansas and they live Around two, the corner from two us. Two minutes from us. It's <laughs> so like small world. So I go to Little Rock, four hours away. But And we had to, said something about living in Northwest Arkansas. They're like, oh, yeah, where? And we're like, well, we actually live in Bella Vista. They're like, us too. We do. Where do you live? And we told them, like, well, that's where we live. <laughs> they literally live right around the corner. It's like, well, we go, drive four hours to meet somebody that lives four minutes away from us. Yeah. And that kind yeah. of. But, um, but then Saturday night. Um, we got home really late. We did do, go to Trader Joe's. We did. Yeah. Little Rock. I'm just going to say this right now. If Northwest Arkansas, anywhere between Bella Vista and Fayetteville would drop a Trader Joe's anywhere in there, I'm telling you, it'd be a huge, 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 huge improvement. Amen. In our... <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we need a Trader Joe's for I get I I'll have to post a picture about what I get because there's I do different holes when I go to Trader Joe's I usually hook um, Abby and her boys up with something special um, and so but they have some really good stuff and so w- weird stuff like I get my olive oil there isn't that weird but that is where How'd I you go say that olive oil Al- did you say olive oil <laughs> it sound it was very Chicago Oh, it was. I yeah. was like, why did I say it Southern? Hey, the first time I was ever in Chicago. Kirsten's got, Kirsten's got a very Olive Northern oil. accent and she has words that she says. So I remember the first time I went to Chicago with you, we went downtown Chicago to eat. You told me about this pizza place and the guy in front of me was ordering and he goes, yeah, give me a large sausage. I need sausage and sausage pizza, sausage and pepperoni. I'm like, what is he talking about? Sausage. <laughs> yeah, it was sausage. 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 Anyway. No, olive oil is where I go to get, I go to Trader Joe's to get our olive oil. But I get, I got a whole bunch of other stuff. I love their vanilla paste there. They had some <laughs> bourbon vanilla paste. I know, I know, I know, I know. I saw that in our cart the other day. I'm like, vanilla paste? paste. What is this? <laughs> yeah, guys. They, I love they, Trader Joe's because it's so reasonably priced yeah. and everything's so delicious and a little bit different than you can get anywhere else. Exactly. And that's, that's why I probably like it. It's if you've been to Aldi, 
Yeah. They are a parent company to Trader Joe's mm-hmm. or vice versa. There's I don't some know. similarities, but the in sim- many ways, nowhere near food, each other. Okay. Yeah. So what the similarities are, the store is laid out very similar. They have about the same amount of r- aisles, like three or four aisles. Not, it's not a huge store. Um, the difference is but not the small. people. No, it's not tiny, but the difference is the people who work at Aldi and the people who work at Trader Joe's are vastly different. <laughs> They are. Well, a lot of your Trader Joe's are in large cities. Trader Joe's are hipsters. It's very diverse. <laughs> they My, are. What do I? Okay. I'm, all right. For, I'm just going to say it. All right. I'm just going to say it. I'm not going to be shy. I'm pulling this one out of Joe because he knows exactly. I know what he's about to say. What? <laughs> okay. I've cornered Maybe him. I shouldn't say it. Oh, we uh, better, let's be careful. <laughs> we can edit this out later. Okay. Well... Typically, if I see if I see a lady with who's eating granola and really hairy legs, I might I might assume she works at Trader Joe's. <laughs> We're gonna have to really evaluate They're this. Vastly like, different employees. <laughs> They're not the same, even though the stores are similar. Now, Trader Joe's sells wine. That's different than Aldi. And then they have a lot of really like gluten-free stuff. They've got some really unique stuff. So I, I when I'm making a charcuterie board, I will actually hit Trader Joe's and Aldi. They have the best stuff for a charcuterie board. So, so all that to say, we hit Trader Joe's on our way. Trader Joe's on, Hall. On our way home. And um, please forgive me for the hairy leg comment. I, <laughs> they're just very much in tune with nature. Okay, that's all I'm saying. Unless and, we edited that out. And 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 there are grown men with beards and beanies on that, that work there as well. And You could fit in. You have a beard and you could just put on a beanie. I don't have the Trader Joe's look. The vibe. I, I don't vibe. I don't have the Trader Joe's vibe. I I go into Trader Joe's to be with you, Kirsten, and to stare at people. We had an interesting comment though two weeks ago when we were in Trader Joe's. It made me Where were we in that Saturday. Kansas? We were in Kansas City yeah. on that Trader Joe's. Joe's like, if you die I don't know if I could come back here and it would it wouldn't be the same. I was like, I don't know if that's sweet or sad. Oh. Yeah. He said, I don't know why that hit me like that. Like like if you were to if something were to happen to you, yeah. I don't think I could ever come into another Trader Joe's because we have so many shared memories and fun experiences. It's some it's like a I don't know, I don't think I could do it. I didn't know Trader Joe's meant so much in our marriage. Oh, it doesn't. <laughs> But there's a, there's there's things we do together that I don't ever do by myself. So anyway, um, so not so much that he wouldn't be able to, but that he would not. <laughs> I'd walk in and go, "There's vanilla paste." Oh my honey, uh, I could never look at vanilla paste again and not think of I you. I will I will teach you how to use it. Okay, so so we came back Saturday night, and then um, so I wasn't with the church Saturday night. And then um, Sunday morning, though, I was at the Reardon campus. Great weekend, huge crowd, but preached. And then, um, and then Monday, a great sermon, I might add. Oh, thank you very Another much. Another great one. And then Monday, Monday, we took off for Joplin, Missouri, with a bunch of our staff here. And uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, we were um, up in Joplin, but we were coming home because it's only about an hour drive. What did we go to the preaching teaching convention? Oh, it's a convention. It used to be a convention. I then think they, it's a conference. I think they changed the name to conference, but I noticed in all the catalogs it was, very it was convention. Interchangeable. So 
I heard from stage a conference and then I heard from stage a convention. But I, and I think convention has a negative connotation. But I love, I love the preaching, teaching convention. I love it because I went to Ozark Christian College and I love Ozark Christian College. And um, it, some of the best four years of my life was at Ozark Christian College. Some they of the bring most, in all the preachers. Most of them are all, most, most most of them are, of them are grads. all Ozark grads. But there's about from a years thousand, ago. I don't know, there's no, a thousand people that come to this thing. I don't know how many people come, but it's a great time to see other people, get to sit through some great workshops, be exposed to some great preaching. So Brian and, Job preached on, I believe, Monday. Brian Job, here's here's the connection with uh, Brian Job's church in Arizona. Their church is Compass Christian Church. He, um, the church at Compass used to be led, I believe, planted and led by Roger Storms. Well, Roger Storms, I don't know if he planted that or not. Is the brother-in-law? I don't think he planted it, but he it was very small when he went there. Okay, Roger Storms is the brother-in-law to Ron Carter who is who Joe followed yep. here in Ron um, was my Bella predecessor. So there's a connection there with the storms. And I actually went to college with their daughter, Ashley storms um, at Ozark. So it's so. connections like yeah, that. There's you connections see people like that. And, and then Roger and his wife saw yeah. us and we connected and took a picture to send to Pam, um, Pam Carter, yeah. and so, uh, which, which is, is Ron's widow. Yeah. Cause Ron's in heaven now. And so Brian Joe preach. And last night I was really excited about Dudley Rutherford from shepherd. Yeah. Uh, church in and California. What did, what did he say? He, he was a great sermon, but he said he talked about... The whole about, series was on Daniel, the book of Daniel. Yeah, and I had sat through a workshop with Dudley early in the afternoon where he spent a lot of time talking about standing up for the word of God in California when they were shutting down churches. Man, and he has some and crazy so stories. Like we thought we had it, but they had, he had crazy church stories. Like he's telling stories. Like I know why people are flooding out of California. You know, I know why every other person was, I meet at new life is from California. I mean, it was illegal for them to recite the Lord's prayer. What? what did he call him? It wasn't Governor Newsom. He called him Governor Nuisance. Okay. Governor Nuisance. <laughs> yeah, Governor Nuisance passed a law that that churches they they deemed churches non essential. And he said he said Starbucks was essential. Starbucks, the casinos were Planned essential. Planned Parenthood was Planned essential. Parenthood was essential, but churches weren't. And so, so they, they they didn't sue the government for that, but they they had to work around and they did have to have a lawyer and they did have to do some stuff. So they to, shut down like every other church in the country. Like he goes, we, we shut down intentionally, not because we were told to, because we didn't know what we were dealing with. The same kind of thing. A lot of church, like we didn't know what we were dealing with in March of 2020. But then after a few months go by, he's like, no, wait a minute. You know, we're going to meet because. We are essential. This was before Governor Nuisance, um, <laughs> I'm using his words, Governor Nuisance passed the law. He goes, we're going to meet. But then he passed the law and he said, okay, churches are not essential, but we will let you meet if you meet outdoors and you social distance and, no and wear a mask. You don't sing and, and you can't recite the Lord's Prayer. So Dudley's what? church met. Dudley's church met for a year and a half and they got fined every, every Sunday week. and the fine was based on whoever showed up. How and many goes, people? Yeah. And so they based it on how many people showed up. So they had the the smallest fine they had was 500. The most expensive fine was two grand. So every Sunday for a year and a half, they were paying a fine between 500 and two grand just to meet in California. He said their church went from 7,000 oh, before, 10, 10, before the COVID, before COVID to roughly around 3,000, which they've all built back. Everybody's come back, but this is all during COVID. And so he said it was, 
It was a very trying time. I mean, he personally has some stories too that his family went through with during that whole time because Joe and I follow him. I believe you follow him on social media. Yep. I do. And um, so they had some personal stories that he was going through on top of being fined every week, the challenges of the government. There was some other government stuff that the California government was trying to impose on churches to pay for their employees to have abortions that he had to fight for that and say, no, we're not doing they that. They deemed nonprofit. So even though Obama, I don't know if you just said this or not, but Obama let there be an exemption mm-hmm. for religious organizations. Governor Nuisance said, no, they're in, in California, California. You are not exempt. So churches have to provide coverage for abortion. And, and they and three other churches got to, and they sued the government saying, no, we are not going to pay money so our employees can have an abortion. We don't yeah. believe in that. And they won. They, they won, won that lawsuit. Yeah. And um, so, so I'm just going to say this. Um, if you're ever looking for an incredible preacher to like podcast, you're out jogging, driving, Look up Dudley Rutherford at Shepherd of the Hills Church. He's got a website called Lift Up Jesus, I believe. I'll I'll verify Mm -hmm. that. I think it's Lift Up Jesus. I'm going to tell you, yeah, liftupjesus.com or .org because, you know, he won't put his name on it. It's Lift Up Jesus. That's his whole. But Dudley Dudley Rutherford is one of my favorites. He's on Instagram. Uh, We have uh, some, Joe's got some family connections with their family. And so um, a really neat guy, humble. He's an incredible communicator of God's word, Um, has a very diverse church in California and the Los Angeles area. And um, he's very involved on his social media uh, and and definitely tries to communicate God's love to that yeah. community. And so every time I listen to him speak, he speaks something to me. But one thing he said at the conference and after tell, hearing him tell all these stories, I know why he said it. He said, listen, we all know we're living in the last days, but in my opinion, we are living in the last of, of the, the last, last days. days. Yeah. And so he thinks the return of Christ is very near. And, and as we all should live our lives that way. So he was the last one to close out our conference last night before yeah. uh, before we all came back. So he he's just a great communicator. And it was nice to have um, some great messages on the book of Daniel. Yep. And so we're a little conferenced out. <laughs> All right, so we are in Judges chapter 3, and uh, we were there this weekend. Before you start that, before you started Judges 3 this weekend, do you remember what happened? Well. I think church was gathered together. I actually sat next to you, which doesn't happen very often. That was nice. You got to sit with me on the front row. And as soon as you left, Brock came and sat with me. But before you got up and left, you're like, hey. Is this during communion? Are you talking about what happened during communion? Communion and baptism. Hey, do you have any Tums? <laughs> I'm like, Tums? I don't think I sound like that. Yes, you do. I was whispering. Yes. Like the whole section could hear, hey, do you have any Tums? <laughs> Did you have an like, stomach? I, I think get heartburn. Okay, so on our I'm way... I'm like, what did you already the eat only this thing, morning? The only thing I can think of is on our way back from Little Rock, we stopped at Texas Roadhouse. You know, there's a roadhouse on the way up. I thought, hey, we're, I mean, we're... In Conway. So we just, we pulled in there and, and um, I didn't you think I ate heartburn. anything. <laughs> well, I had a little indigestion from that or something. Well, that Sunday morning, I know I did not eat breakfast Sunday morning. Uh-huh. And so... I'm sitting there before church and it wasn't real bad, 
but I was I was like I don't want to preach with this going on. It was a little bit of heartburn, and I'm like this. I'm, I don't know what I got a hold of some bad barbecue sauce or something. I don't know. As a it, good wife, I dig through my purse as quietly as I can <laughs> during communion. Wait a second. Start. I had just taken communion because I remember I handed you my communion cup to and it hold. spilled all over my hands. <laughs> I drank all so the juice. I'm, so now I'm so sticky. Grape juice all over his hands. He's showing me. See, while we're grape. supposed to be thinking about the Lord's sacrifice, this is what's going on in the hey, front this row. Is, this is real life right here. So I'm digging through my purse. So yes, if you saw me and I was being a distraction, this is what's happening. I'm digging through my purse, trying to feel for the the bottle of Tums, and I find the and I try and hold my hand over it so that no one can see that I'm about to distribute Tums to their preacher. <laughs> and the lid is like, Boop. so I pop the lid and he's like, just one. <laughs> so and I got, oh my God, I got grape juice all over my hands. I'm like, come on. So I ha- hand him one and um, then I was able to put the lid back on and put it away <laughs> and he was able to dry his hands of grape juice and go up and preach Judges 3, an amazing hey, sermon. That t- thank you. That Tums works. It it knocked it. Whatever little little discomfort, I, either, either the Tums just got rid of it or I just got into preaching and forgot about it. But no, I, it was like, it was like enough where I'm like, I don't want to preach with this. Maybe I should on. leave a, a little Tums on your seat every week. Just Actually, little... the Tums you had, I they were good. They were like little chewables. They were almost like candy. I was expecting it to be that chalky, powdery Tums. I've dealt with some heartburn good. for the last several years, and so I keep Tums with me all the time. Good job on the candy so chewables. They're, yeah, they're like the little chewable. They're not the gummies. They're like little chewable Tums, and they are. They're, so, you can take two or four. Well, it worked. So two is usually enough. I didn't say this all the services. The only service I said this was the eleven a.m. service, and it didn't it didn't hit me till the eleven a.m. service. But you know, Sunday was or this weekend. It was kind of in your face. I'll, for Joe, for me, that was kind of um, in your face kind of sermon. I do re, I do know that I I told I I encouraged the church not to be soft, and mm-hmm. um, that we're in a spiritual battle. We are in spiritual war. And I related it to the fact that the Lord, one of the reasons the Lord allowed uh, the Israelites to come under bondage and to be oppressed was that he wanted to test them to see them to get back in in a right standing with him. And he wanted to train them for war. And I still would contend in Judges 3. God's desire. Now, God's sovereign. He he already knew how this was all going to play out. This is the this is the the big thing about the mystery of God. Sometimes, in His sovereignty, He already knows the beginning and the end. Mm-hmm. He knows how we're going to decide. He knows how it's going to play out. But He still has desires. You know, as I read the book of Judges, I think in Judges three, He still wanted these Israelites to turn back to Him, get battle ready, and clear the promised land and make it the land of inheritance, knowing full well that they wouldn't. But this was his desire, and he allowed these nations to test them. And so I related that to, to are we ready for spiritual war? Are we ready for battle? Right. And does the Lord look at the American church a lot like I think he was looking at the Israelites and goes, you guys have gotten too cozy with the world, too comfortable in your surroundings. Your eyes are off me, and you just gotten soft. Yeah, I got to get you battle ready. That was kind of the message. And so... Um, I knew by the end of the other services, 
I was uh, the way I was, I was kind of pounding on the church a little harder than I normally do. I try to be an encouraging preacher. I'm not here to, I don't want this to be, I don't want this to be the church of feel bad. I want it to be, I want people to feel good. I want them to feel encouraged. But every once in a while. So what I, what I said to the 11 a.m. service, and I didn't think about it in the other services, it just hit me in the moment. But we right go long. We were right at the vein. <laughs> That's why the 11 o'clock is always a little longer just than the rest. Wanna, just I was, point that I was out. thinking new stuff in the moment. Um, <laughs> but right at the end uh, where it was kind of getting to that, you know, I was talking about the cycle that Christians feel like mm-hmm. I, I f- like, even though the cycle of the judges is uh, they wit they sinned mm-hmm. into idolatry. God sent him into slavery, his testing, and then he would they would cry out and he sent him to deliver. It was this cycle. And this is a repeatable cycle. And I put this diagram up on the LED wall so people could see it. And then I'd say, but you know what? The Lord really broke that cycle with Jesus. We were slaves in our sins. We cried out to God and 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 we were saved by Jesus. And it's a once and for all deliverance. We don't need to keep, but as a Christian, sometimes we feel like we get into this cycle of of sin, slavery. And we need another deliverance. Mm-hmm. And that's not what the Bible teaches at all. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like, oh, no, I, I told a little white lie and and now I'm in bondage to my sin again and I'm not saved and I need Jesus to save me all over again. That, that's not what the Bible teaches. But emotionally, emotionally, it can feel that way. Yeah. Emotionally, as a Christian, it can feel like, oh, I screwed up. Oh, I didn't. And I do I continue. You need to ask for forgiveness. If you mess up, you sin, ask God to forgive you. But his grace is there. You don't need, Jesus doesn't have to keep dying on the cross over. We don't need to keep being delivered over and over and over again. And so I was trying to point out to the church that even though this is like a self-imposed feeling, that the Lord never intended us to feel this way. And then I, I made this, I tried to bring this analogy. I hope it all made sense to people, but it makes sense to me that one of the reasons why it feels like that we fall into this pattern, repeatable pattern of, oh, I've sinned, I've fallen into slavery, and I got a crowd to God for deliverance, and it feels like, is it just, is it because maybe we've gotten soft? Hmm. Maybe is it because we've gotten a little too cozy, a little too comfortable with the world? Maybe is it because we're not ready for the spiritual battle, and we live in close proximity with paganism, and the pull and the draw of what's around us is so strong that we're constantly in this spiritual warfare. And what we really need to do is put on the full armor of God that it says in Ephesians 6 and uh, quit being so soft. And so uh, (laughs) toughen up, get ready for battle. And so this was the part I was trying to encourage the church, but it came across like I was pounding on them, you know, and, and, and so at 11 a.m. service, I just said, Hey, look, I had a I had a professor in Bible college who used to be a preacher, and then um, he was t- he was a preaching professor. Too. So I took preaching classes with him, one of the greatest preachers ever. And he said, uh, uh, it was it was Dr. Mark Scott, mm-hmm. and he said, he goes, in my experience, I feel like there's probably twice a year that the gloves have to go come off, and you got to really let your church have it. And so I asked the 11 o'clock service, I said, I said, I know this professor that said, you know, about twice a year. And I've seen, I, I believe that to be a true statement mm-hmm. after preaching yeah. for a couple of decades. And I, and, and I, and I said to the church at 11 o'clock service, I was getting ready to really hammer it down, really hammer it for Joe Williams. It's a hammer down, you know, um, with a smile on my face, I hope. But I, but I just said, Hey, Hey friends, I had a professor in college that said, about twice a year, you got to drop the gloves and go bare knuckles. And I was wondering, can I, can I just drop the gloves for a minute and go bare knuckles and you still love me afterwards? And they all started clapping. Yes. Oh, and I cheering. Love that. And I'm like, well, okay. Oh, they're like, bring so, it on. Yeah, 
done. So, <laughs> hit us. We're ready. Hit us harder. <laughs> What's that movie like? Here, hit him. Well, there, there. <laughs> oh, it was a Weezer. Yeah. Was it it's on um, Steel Magnolia? Steel Magnolia. <laughs> here, hit her. <laughs> so the church, the, the 11 a.m. service made me feel really good because I. I, I wish you would have thought of that for the other services. I didn't, I didn't think about it, but although you were live over at, at Highlands, we too, were live so both this week. Campuses at eleven. But they didn't hear. No, actually, well, I don't know. I know they were live. At, <laughs> they were live at nine. Okay. So anyway, don't get me off track. No. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> don't bring all these technical. <laughs> no. But anyway, so I just when they kind of cheered and were like, "Yes, do it." They they spoke back. I thought nice. And so then and then so I kind of I visual I kind of visually like drop gloves. And uh, and 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 said what I wanted to say, and then at the end I said, "All right, I'm putting the gloves back on. I think you guys have had enough." Aww. And um, but really, the 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 point of all that is, is I don't know if the church today, and I'm not just talking about New Life. I'm just talking about church in America, Christians in America. I don't know if we're battle ready. Yeah. I don't know if we're tough enough. And you know, like when Dudley says, "We are living in the last, last of days the last of the days. last days," in his point of view. And let's say that's true, and I tend to believe it is true. And if you kind of adopt that mentality that the world is going to get worse, 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 mm-hmm. worse before Jesus comes back, then what that means is it's not going to get any better if we are in the last of the last days. I don't, yeah. And so and I think I, he was kind of warning, not warning, because we already know this, but I think he was kind of saying that it's this isn't going to get better. Right. Like the things that happened to well, them in their church and in California, it's usually sometimes it starts in California right. and moves this way. You know what? Don't expect the government to all of a sudden be kind to Christians mm-hmm. and pass laws that benefit Christians. Mm-hmm. Don't think all of a sudden that all of our schools are going to all of a sudden become accepting mm-hmm. of the 10 commandments and prayer. And you know, now our schools are full of Christians around here, but don't think that the school boards and all the powers that be are going to allow um, a, pro-Christian initiatives without some oppression, without but, some pushback. But it doesn't mean to stop praying for no, that. No, of course not. That we can still have uh, God-fearing, Christ-following leaders on the school boards and in the schools and in the classrooms and in the leadership positions That's right. and stuff. So we still need to be praying for that. It's a, because it's a spiritual but, war. Yeah. You know, like it says in, in Ephesians, that our battle is not against flesh and blood, mm-hmm. but our battle is a spiritual battle. Mm-hmm. So we don't fight this war with conventional weapons. We fight it with with uh, spiritual weapons. But I like what you said at the end of your sermon about the the sexual nature of our culture. Um, and I, I very much feel that way. And it's definite... Um, I, I see correlations, though, through judges with that as well about how our culture. What what exactly did you say? Because it was really good, but I can't remember. I really I liked what you said, Joe, but I don't remember anything. But I, can't well, I don't remember what you said. No, I said I can't quote it. <laughs> Give me your notes and I'll read it. <laughs> no. Um, uh, I, I'll, I should write it down. So what I was talking about is when when it says in Judges 3 that the Israelites forgot the Lord. And I kind of related it to like saying, it's not like they had no memory of him, but it's like, forget you. Mm-hmm. Have you ever said somebody, forget you? That's really kind of what it is. So they, they, when they says they forgot, the Israelites did evil and they, they served the Baals and the Asterisks. What they're saying is, we no longer want to be disciples of the Lord living under the covenant. Forget you. We're going to be disciples of Baal and Asterisks, which was a, 
which Asterisk was a fertility god. Yeah. And if you go and if you ever spend some time studying the gods of Canaan during this time, you're going to come across Baal and Asterisk a lot. They were partners, like a husband, wife, God kind of thing, hmm. partners that way. And it was a, uh, it was, as I understand it anyway, um, it, it was a fertility religion. It was a religion of sex. Really, it was sex as a religion. Hmm. That's what they had gotten themselves into. And I, I told the church on Sunday. You kind of correlated that to that's our right. culture. So what I said, um, this is one of the many similarities in the book of Judges that we find ourselves living in here in America, that um, the Israelites were living in a, in a culture of sex, and we find ourselves today living among a culture that very much reflects the religion of sex that drew the Israelites away from God. I, I see this correlation very similarly because if you look at the way that everything's been sexualized in our culture, and I, I don't care who you are, I, you just look around, whether you're a follower of the Lord or not, anybody with two eyes can look around and see the sexualization of our nation and how over the last 50, 60 years, it has just um, moved so quickly and so rapidly into into this kind of society. And I just, I just was like, you look at the way our culture here in America has been sexualized, you look at how the subject of sex and all that goes with it, you, you look at how it's discussed mm -hmm. in our country, how it's displayed, how it's promoted, um, how it's traded, traded, yeah, um, how it's idolized, sold. how it's worshipped, and how it's sold. Mm -hmm. you, you look at just in the subject of sex and how much it dominates. It hasn't just permeated our culture. It dominates our culture. Um, and when you said all that, though, in like one sentence, you just realize how sick and morbid and broken the, our culture is like because you start thinking of all those words with sex and it's overwhelmingly like sex is a religion in the United States for sure. And so that's what drew the Israelites away from God, because like what what's 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 God's sexual ethic? in the time of the judges. Well, it's no different than the time of mm -hmm. today. Mm -hmm. And this is the very beginning of Genesis. Jesus repeated this. God's sexual ethic is this, that a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. Mm -hmm. And 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 that is a lifelong commitment in covenantal marriage till death do us part. This is, this is how children are supposed to be in God's sexual ethic, how children are supposed to be introduced into the world. And it's um, one man, one woman forever. And uh, for our, for while we're here on earth. Mm -hmm. And that's what the Israelites were living under. This was God's sexual ethic and commitment to marriage. And, and, and you see all over the pages of the Bible, they weren't living, even when they were in the covenant, they struggled with that. Multiple wives, concubines, all these. I mean, you want to talk about how dark it gets by the end of the judges? Wait till say, you get to the last three chapters. Yeah. Um, I actually did read all of judges and we've had some really good conversations about it because it is at the end of judges if you haven't read it yet and get there you're gonna have all kinds of questions oh man the last three chapters gets well the last three chapters it's dark and sad and heartbreaking it is well it's interesting i've been studying those last three chapters quite a bit because it relates to chapter three mm -hmm. and then, and i don't have it all figured out in my mind if i'm just being honest with you but we're getting ready to talk about ehud the left-handed judge who who drives let's his sword make, let's not dog 
doggone left-handers. Well, yeah. <laughs> Just him. Kirsten's Just a lefty. <laughs> but see, so, so, um, and I, I shouldn't even get into all this right now because I'm still learning it, but. Well, you're excited about your next message but coming up. Ehud, so. Ehud was a deliverer, but a lot of people look at the details of his story and they're like, well, I don't know how much of a hero he is. Now, no, we can't talk too much about it because then next week. I know, but. We're going to need to be talking about this left-handed. So coach. there, so the end of. The end of Judges talks about a civil war that broke out in Israel. So you had this horrific act that happened to a man, and 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 sometimes the language it's his concubine, is it his wife? He's her husband, but I think the Bible speaks of his concubine. We'll we'll get into that. Well, they were traveling home, and they 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 skipped staying in Jerusalem because it was because all the Jebusites lived there. If you remember from chapter one. You know, the tribe of Judah drove the Jebusites out of Jerusalem, but then they came right back and the Benjamites wouldn't get rid of them. Is this your pre-sermon? No, I'm just saying this is, this, this is. I kind of feel like you're already ruining next week's podcast. Well, I'm figuring this out as we go. I'm learning. So that started a civil war in the land of Israel. Right. Like, so the way they abused that concubine and what happened to her, mm-hmm. word of that spread through all the tribes and all the tribes. That's like Judges 11, isn't All it? the tribes banded together to come and, and punish the tribe of Benjamin. And it is a big, bloody, messed up, whacked out battle. And it nearly wiped out all the tribe of Benjamin. And there was this, and this is equally messed up. Let me just tell you, this is how far these people are from God because godly people don't act this way. So so in an effort to save the tribe of Benjamin, that, well, you just read it, it's messed up. I don't even want to talk about it. So the question becomes <laughs> the Benjamites, the Benjamin I gotta end it right the here. tribe of Benjamin are not glorified in the book of Judges. Okay. The book of Judges was written years later. They're not glorified, they're not looked at as heroes. Ehud, our judge in the book of Judges, chapter three, is a Benjamite. And he and so the question becomes, did there's there's enough in the text that makes you think that the the events of chapter 19, 20, and 21 happened early in the book of Judges, Ehud's story comes after. I can't so I can't the say, timeline is the timeline gets so I can't prove that. But if that civil war happened and then Ehud comes on the scene and the fact that he's a left handed fighter which has implications about scripture, this is getting the fine print of scripture. And then and of other things that happen and he's kind of from a disgraced tribe. Because hmm. he's left handed? No, because he's a Benjamite. Well and he and he might be a, a second or third generation after, after that civil war, uh-huh. and the fact that there's details in it, and then they compare and contrast Ehud with the next. Listen, I judge, think you thoroughly Gar- confused everyone. I, I might have. I'm I'm still figuring this out myself. But anyway, what I'm saying what what I'm saying is, um, the book of Judges is messed up, and this this religion of sex has been a problem for these Israelites. Like the entire book of Judges and these Baals and Asterisks that they mm-hmm. worship, they fall into. So so really, in many ways, they keep falling into this sexualized religion. And I would argue that we live in close proximity with paganism and Christians trying to live holy lives today under mm-hmm. God's sexual ethic. And we're trying to do this one man, one woman marriage thing mm-hmm. and purity and not stepping outside of marriage for sexual gratification, allowing all of that to be inside of marriage. I'm telling you, we're doing that in a nation that has 
that is um, uh, in many ways socialized sex has a different sexual ethic and is a totally different view. So you want to talk about holy living is living up under God's sexual ethic in a world that worships sex. Mm -hmm. You want to stand out from the crowd? You want to take a stand for the Lord? Live this part of your life under God's way. Be committed and and stay pure in your in your um, sex in, in sex and and I'm just I see it. I'm sitting here going. I can speak as a man. You know, you have the heads of families, heads of tribes get sucked into this sex as a religion. It's not hard for me as a man to go. I, yeah, I see what the draw was. I, I don't want to do it God's way. I'm going to do it this way. Mm-hmm. And this, this, in the very essence of what it means to stand on the truth of God's word is found right here. And it comes down to spiritual war. This is a spiritual battle that we are in. And so as God was trying to get the Israelites toughened up for battle, physical battle, I just sometimes wonder if the Lord looks down at the American church and says, you guys are soft and you're not ready for spiritual battle. And, um, and this is, this is where the fight takes place. So anyway, yeah, good feedback from the sermon. I was challenged by it myself. And as I am with the book of judges, I, I was with my sister, Sonia Monday night, cause she came up to the conference. She lives in Joplin and we're sitting there before everything started. And she pulls out this notebook <laughs> and she goes, Hey, I want to show you something. And she starts flipping through the pages notebook and it looked like my sermon. Yeah. And she goes, I've been really enjoying your your series your on judges, judges yeah. and you don't know how much that blesses me to have my it's sister. The courageous series, yeah, the yes, cur- yeah, the courageous judges. series. Yeah. And I don't know if she's going to listen to this or not, but it, it blessed me to know that my sister, my older sister, she's mm-hmm. nine years older than me, is is actually listening to these sermons and getting a lot out of it. She said, "You know, it's been a long time since I've been in the Book of Judges, and I'm I'm really been encouraged." She was encouraging me. And I'm looking at all these notes. I'm like, man, Sonia, you've got more notes in your notebook than I take to the pulpit to preach this thing. And um, Guest speaker, Sonia. So, uh, she could. She's got something to say. I but. think that's neat, though, that your sister and I believe your brother both listen to yeah. your sisters and your brother. Yeah, my brother has a lot of windshield time on his job. And so he'll he'll call me from time to time and reference sermons and stuff. And and um, he called me one time and he goes, man, Joe, I was listening to an old series that I did. Because I think our series on our website go back to 2016 i think yeah they're, i got a lot of sermons on there back. they go way back <laughs> way back to the dark ages so he was listening to one of these sermon series from a number of years ago and he goes and he goes i'm not going <laughs> to so tell you funny. what it was because i'm embarrassed by it right now but but he said he said um joe i gotta i gotta talk to you about something you said in your sermon and i'm like which one and i think this was from Way back, 2017, years. 2018. Like maybe a year or two after we got here. And and he, he referenced a, a what I would say today was, and it's not in my heart, a but slang it's, it's a slang. It's an, it's an ethnic slang is what it is. And I I grew up hearing that. You know not everybody's going to be like, I'm not, not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. But I it, think we pulled it off. It never dawned on me that phrase and what it meant and what it alluded to. Um, I, I, I had, I had alluded, I mean, the way I used it was in a completely different way and I was totally hearing it 
and totally, it, it, it was just, I understood a little bit better. You're leaving your audience with well, so Well, I'm much. trying to talk around it without talking around it. Did we talk about this the, early in the podcast? We might have. I might have, we but have. I don't know. But I'm not going to say it here. So he could, he called he, me out. Because Joe, Joe's really embarrassed by it. He was like, he was grateful that his brother had come to him and said something because it gave Joe, like, obviously, Joe's not perfect. I am, but <laughs> 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 just kidding. So Joe's not perfect. So there are times that it is important that you call your brother, your actual brother or your, your brother in Christ and just say, Hey, have you thought about this? How this came across? Well, it's, it's one of my more embarrassing preaching moments yeah. for sure. And, and, and the fact that it sat out there online for years before anybody said something about it. So I actually I thought, think we took it down. Well, when he told it's me not about there it anymore, w- no, we, we edited it. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and I, I, um, um, yeah, I had our team go back and scrub that okay. sentence out of the audio and, and repost it. But I, um, I just was blown away by it. So, so anyway, so thank I, you, Tim, for, so my brother listened to it and he called me, out. he called me out on that. And then I didn't believe him when he said, I said it. Not yeah. only, not only that, I went back and checked. I, I fully, I manuscript all my sermons. So going back years, I've got almost word. I write my sermons word for word, and so I have a complete record of it. Not only it was not an off the cuff. I went back and looked at that sermon. You wrote I that. wrote that <laughs> sentence into and, the sermon, and then reread it and didn't. It didn't like. I I yeah. I couldn't believe it, and and so. I don't know why I said all that, but we I, I like have having things to learn. We all yes. still have to, you know, now that wasn't yeah. in my heart. And if, and I would have never said that had I made that connection with that phrase at the time. And I've never said it again, but cause it's insensitive, but that's not how I, it's not how I, it's just, it's he just, didn't cuss people. He no, didn't I didn't cuss. cuss, but, but it was in, and you guys, if I ever told you what it was, you probably would think that's not that big a deal, but it's a big deal to me. Cause I care about, people. about how people hear things. Um, but anyway, so to have my brother and my sister both kind of listening to old sermons or staying up with us, it was it, it blesses me. But anyway, um, I'm loving the book of Judges. I hope you guys are as well. Feel free to give feedback. Tell me what you're learning. Um, let us know uh, how God is using the book of Judges to help bolster your faith, help you walk closer with Jesus, because at the end of the day, that is the whole point. So when you were preaching on Sunday, as you were wrapping up, it was really good, by the way. Um, an alarm in church went off. Did you hear oh, it? Oh, I heard it. I did too. Someone's alarm went off. It was mine. <laughs> <laughs> I set my alarm for 9.58, not remembering that I would be in church still, because I had to get... Um, again, we talked about this, I think last week in the podcast, I had to get online for the online service and I didn't want to be late. Were you the host of the online I service was, this I week? I was on, on one of the platforms. Yes. Yeah. And so I set my alarm so I wouldn't forget and I'm in the front row and it's like, and I was like, Oh my word. <laughs> I'm like fumbling. Luckily my phone was in my hand cause I was using the Bible app. So I hit snooze real quick and I'm like, my heart's beating so fast. And I was like, thank goodness Joe does not know that that was my alarm. So he comes down off the stage after the nine o'clock service that you felt like you were 
maybe maybe being a little um tough with them and uh and I was doing the online service from my phone and he's like how was that was that too hard I said it was great actually I wasn't listening I've been doing the online <laughs> service <laughs> it was great actually <laughs> I was like but I was up I was with him up until about 9:58 when my alarm went off and then my heart's beating fast so I was like oh my word and then I had to get online and so it was but it was the whole message was good and I felt like it was but I was really I was really embarrassed that that was mile I don't know where I was off. it wasn't here at new life but I was at, I was somewhere and um and and I was in the row and somebody in our row's phone went off or they were, or they were right behind me or something and they answered it oh my goodness and they answered it this way hello hey I can't talk right now I'm in church and, and there, there are phone features so and, that you don't have to answer like, your phone. And I remember sitting there going, you know, you just silence that. You don't have to answer it. But the fact they answered it, yeah, I can't talk right now. I'm in church. Yeah, That's but, but what do you need? What do you, what do you need? I, I was like, uh, and I was in another service. You just uh, don't want to be that person. And they used to have slides back when cell phones like first emerged on the scene. They're everywhere. They used to have slides on the screens. Please, so please silence this, your phone. This one happened when I was pastoring in Kansas City. It was during the communion meditation. And I was in the back of the room. And one of the guys, um, um, if I told you who it was, Kirsten, you would laugh. But the <laughs> phone rang. And and it rang and rang oh, and heavens. rang. Oh come on! And 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 the guy finally got it out of his pocket, and he stands up and he's like, "Hello," <laughs> right right during, and he's trying to walk out. He's oh, climbing up he people. Second row. And he's like, "Hello," and and the, the gentleman I'm referring to had a real he had hearing aids. He had a really hard time hearing anyway. And he goes, "Yeah, I'm in church right now." And he's walking down the center aisle. Yeah, let me get out of church and I'll be able to talk to you a little bit more clearly. Oh <laughs> yeah, this whole conversation goodness. all the way down. And, and and he walked past me and I just shook my head and I was like, come on, dude. Well, 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 I'll be honest. Like I said, I was a little mortified that I had my alarm go off. But I think phone etiquette in a situation like that is you either silence it or there is a feature where you can like automatically message them say, I can't talk. Right is now. there a church phone etiquette? What would you say if you had to write the book on church phone etiquette? And I don't think we, I don't, I don't hardly ever hear anything in our services, but if, right. if you had to write something like that, well, I, there's I don't think it's a problem here, but if you were, there's extremes, I I've met a guy here at new life who won't even bring his phone into church. Mm. And I'm like, well, I think that's extreme. Cause we encourage people to use their app and actually use their phone. Um, and, and, and use the Bible app or use the church app, stuff like that. So that to me is extreme. Um, but yeah, I would say phone etiquette, make sure it's on silent. Don't answer your phone <laughs> from the beginning of the service till the very end. And if someone does call, make sure your phone is on silent. And you, um, if you push the down, like the volume down button, it takes the buzzing out the vi you know what I mean? Or, and it sends them to voicemail or you can click the, I can't talk right now, like message this person. That's at least on an iPhone. I don't know about an Android, but I absolutely don't ever answer your phone in church and don't have your alarm set <laughs> yeah. to go off during church <laughs> for another appointment that you might have noted. Like Kirsten. 
like the preacher's wife. Noted. On a, the front row. See, I thought maybe when you told me it was your alarm, I thought maybe people would think, oh, she's timing him. And oh. that alarm is, it's time. Because we talk <laughs> it's about. time to wrap it up. Because we had just talked about what is a long sermon, oh, was a short sermon. Which that. I won that poll, by the way. Oh, and and I thought maybe people would think like, oh, she's timing him. And he oh, did. Oh, my word. <laughs> no, I was not. It was honestly. I had an alarm set for 9.58, and I had another alarm. Luckily, when I went to turn off the 9.58 alarm, I had another alarm set for something I needed to do at 10.30, set for 10.03. And I have to set alarms. Our service ends around 10, 10 or 15, and then I have things I'm supposed to go do or meet with people, and I had to meet with a group of people at 10.30 that I did not want to forget about. So I set an alarm, and when you set an alarm, you can name what the alarm is for, almost like a reminder. So I had made like an appointment for myself to make sure I didn't miss. Because if you set a reminder on your phone, it just kind of comes up as a da-da-da, and I miss those because I have a lot of them. So I had to set an actual alarm. So no, it wasn't on the timing of your sermon. I actually was really impressed and did tell you so. We got out of church on time at the nine o'clock service. Actually, it was it was a little earlier than Saturday night. Boom. So anyway, there Boom. you go. There's the phone etiquette. So basically just keep it on silent. And well, and you know what? If I know there's an important sporting event. I don't like Brock. During Brock. church, I can tell with somebody like... If somebody shouts out during the service, like, yes, if there's a, oh. I, I, I know it's, I know it's not an amen. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> like, oh, somebody scored. <laughs> they're watching the, the scores. I don't even think it's necessarily appropriate to text while you're in church. Um, I try to avoid that. Sometimes it's not um, a, a possible to avoid. Um, I have found that as being in church leadership, there's stuff happening or going on in the other parts of the building that need to be addressed. And rather than me getting up and leaving to address it, it is easier to just send a quick text because I feel like me getting up and moving would be more distracting than sending a text. But I think texting your friends, hey, what do you guys want to do for lunch during the service is probably not... <laughs> Poor Chris Ireland usually gets one text from me during the worship service. I'm on the front it's row. It's usually about the furnace, I'm sure. No, I'm like, hey, Chris, did somebody remember to turn the fan on up on stage? And then Chris, and I know, and Chris has never failed me. He's all like, yes, we did. And like, because once you're up there, like, you know, I struggle if there's dead air, if there's, it doesn't even matter if it's warm or cold, if it's dead air, that's when you really see me sweat a lot. Like, I need some air moving across the stage. So there's there's a creative um, air blowing system up there on stage that the guys have engineered, but you got to turn it on. And I'm always like, I always have this thought that goes to my mind. I'm supposed to be up there in like three or four minutes, and I I hope that blower is on. And then I'll then I'll think, well, maybe they forgot. And then I was like, well, I better text Chris. I'll text Chris. Hey, is the fan on? And he always gives me the thumbs up. Yes, I double checked it because he's thorough like that. And and it always it always is. And and uh, so if you ever see me text in church, nine times out of ten, I'm texting if there's air moving across the stage. <laughs> Isn't that funny? <laughs> big, big big important thing. Big reveal. Big reveal. Deep spiritual thoughts. All right. Well, hey, as always, we thank you guys for listening, and we love the feedback. And it's encouraging to us when we get emails and messages, and when you just come up and tell us that something in the podcast blessed you. When you come up.
up and tell us that on a Sunday morning. So, hey, to all of you faithful listeners, uh, we're having a good time doing this, and we always joke around. We'll do this until there's no one listening, and um, it sounds like there's people listening. So we love you. Thanks. That's all for today's show. We want to thank our amazing producer, Abby O'Brien. Be sure to check out our show notes and the link for things that we talked about today. And don't forget to subscribe. Thanks for joining us on Under Under the the Hood. Hood. Not a car show.